Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, did you stay up for football last night? I know how much you love Thursday Night Football. All the way? No. No. Come on, really? How how many weeks are you going to ask me about Thursday Night Football? I want you to, like, go on a rant about it again. Why? I don't know. I think well, it'd be fun. Look at it this way. They got rid of the stupid color rush jerseys, right? Sort of. They so, they kind of have them, but when I turned on the game last night, I said, "Why is Ole Miss on?" <laughs> See, I knew I could get you to like <laughs> rant on something about it. The, the 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 Texans uniforms look like Ole Miss. They they are dark yeah. and uh, interesting to watch. Um, but no, I you know it was better than watching the end of the Eagles game last week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll get to that in a second. No, we can't talk about that. We will talk we about can. it. We can. Remember, Doug Peterson said if you're not on the field with him, you can't. We'll get to that, though. Right. But, Jeff, why don't you bring our guest on for today so we can talk a little college football. So today we have on John Jansen, former Michigan captain on the uh, 1997 team, Washington Redskin, and current announcer. Uh, John, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good to hear from you guys. John, it's so much fun to have you on. I know, I know that uh, Jeff was well, listening. Well, how do you know that? Be- because I- I'm excited <laughs> to hear. I See, John, you have to understand, Jeff gets really excited anytime we're going to talk Michigan, okay? So, like, I'm surprised, he, I'm surprised he didn't come in in his maize and blue and, like, ready for the conversation today, <laughs> all pumped up, asked me for the Michigan fight song, something That's like right. that. That's what I expected. John, keep in mind, he went to Rutgers. I have nothing to root for right now, so we'll get, we'll get there. Yeah, the birthplace of football, but they, do they still play it? It's, yeah. where, it's, where it's, going, it's where it's going to die as well right now, so <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. Uh, Michigan on, on a roll again right now. Uh, exciting times for you guys. Jeff, a uh, happy fan for you. John, what do you what do you see in this year from the team? They've they they've kind of come forward. They're they're making a push off this week. Got a big game against Penn State next week. What are your thoughts on on the season so far and where things are? Well, every week they've they've improved. And you go back to the the trip to South Bend, and and obviously not the outcome anybody wanted, but um, I don't think anybody would argue the fact that it's not even the same team anymore. Um, with the fact that the defense is playing at such a high level. And we knew going into the season we'd have a really good defense. But um, right now, you know, 90, was it 93 or 95 yards? Uh, they gave up against um, Michigan State last week, 15 yards rushing. Uh, it was uh, an unbelievable performance. So they continue to improve. And then offensively, uh, I think when you look at what Shea Patterson has been able to do and what he's added to the offense, uh, the offensive uh, – play callers continue to trust him more and more and they they allow him to do more uh which is why our offense has continued to progress okay well after after the notre dame game people i talked to said the sky was falling and 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 blamed a lot of the offensive line ed warner appears to have turned around that offensive line in the last seven games how did he do it and how did the players do it well, it's, it's just been a continued progress um, of, of what this offensive line is capable of. Are, are they a, an, you know, one of the greatest offensive lines to, to play the game? No, but they continue to improve. No, that was yours. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. I, I'm not, I won't argue that. Uh, but they continue to improve every week, and they're doing the small things. Like, uh, you know, on, on their double teams, they continue to, uh, you know, keep their shoulders square, and they use good footwork, and, um, you know, those are the type of things that you've got to you've got to do on a weekly basis uh, if you want to be a good offensive line. How much do you enjoy breaking down the offensive line? We had Trey Thomas on uh, earlier last year, and 
he talked about how much he enjoys looking at it. When you see an offensive line progress like that, see a quarterback really start to have success, how excited does that make you as a former offensive lineman yourself who's been there and, and walked in those shoes for those Michigan players? Well, for those Michigan guys, I mean, they've they, everybody has talked all season long or all year long from, from the end of last season to now. Um, they've, they've talked about the big question mark was the offensive line. And when you look at, I mean, they've, they've basically removed that question mark. And I'm just so proud of the guys for, you know, hanging in there, putting in the work um, and, and buying into what Ed Warner is, is teaching them. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of times you could have a great offensive line coach, but if the guys don't, if they don't understand what they're trying to do, or if they don't, you know, buy into what the offensive line coach is, is trying to teach them, it, you could have great players and a great coach and it just doesn't go anywhere. But uh, they've, they've done a great job of accepting the fact that they've had to change a few things, um, simplify a few things. And, and they've, they're doing it. it. I'm very proud of them for, for getting to where they are now. Well, now, now you got the guy behind them. The quarterback in this game, in this game uh, in, in Michigan has been a lot better than they've had in the last couple of years. Is it the offensive line or is it Shea Patterson? Well, it's kind of both. It's, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? And, um, you know, when you've got a playmaker at quarterback, and I've been in the huddle with um, some great playmakers, you just, you just always believe that the next play could be, uh, you know, a touchdown or a big play. And Shea Patterson gives us that opportunity um, that any time, uh, even if we were down against uh, Notre Dame, uh, that last drive with two minutes left, we're down by one score. And, and we all thought that we still had a chance as poorly as we played to be in the game and when you've got a playmaker at quarterback that's what it allows you to do right now they have it looks like they have two possibly three playmakers at quarterback um <laughs> how it's obviously a good problem to have but i know i'm looking ahead what do they do at the end of this season well i mean you, you i i don't that that's a question for jim harbaugh um i don't i don't really know and uh you know you've got dylan mccaffrey um, you've got Joe Melton and you obviously have Shea Patterson and, uh, the, uh, the ability of, of coach Harbaugh to be able to juggle, you know, the talent of those three, use them in different ways. Um, it's obviously a great, great predicament to be in, but it's also tough because you got to keep all three of those guys happy and get them snaps and, um, get them opportunity. All right. Well, here, here's with all the good that's been going on. My biggest concern is Jim Harbaugh. Jim, Jim seems to be very conservative in his offensive play calling. It, it seems to have opened up over the last couple of weeks, but but there seems to be any time there's a tight game, he seems to get tighter instead of opening up and trusting the offense. It, it, is that something that he is going to continue to open up as the season goes on or as we get to Penn State and as we get to especially Ohio State? And Rutgers. Uh, yeah, and don't Rutgers. forget that. Is he is he gonna <laughs> is he gonna fall back into that very conservative mindset? Well, I don't I don't know that he. That's a good question, and and he, as he continues to progress as a coach, as he continues to to, to try and get better himself, um, he's going to have to modify what he's doing, and uh, some of that comes with the trust that he has in Shea Patterson to to be able to give him more um, and allow him to get outside the pocket, allow him to do more things as a playmaker, and and you've, you've got to have that trust. Let's get into the Big Ten a little bit. Uh, last week, Purdue, Ohio State. Uh, Jeff could not stop texting me happy grams of scores for Purdue and how much he was enjoying the game. Um, the significance of Purdue taking down Ohio State last week to you? Well, it's disappointing is really what it is. Uh, that, you know, they're a team with a lot of talent, and 
um, it's disappointing because, uh, I, you know, when you, when you get to the end of the season, you want to be able to beat a team that is playing at the top of their game. Uh, and we won't have that opportunity when you start talking about, um, you know, opportunities uh, in, in, in the playoffs. Do you see Do you see Ohio State recovering from this, or do you see this kind of being a downward spiral for them? Oh, it's a downward spiral. There's no question, especially with the fact that, um, you know, when, when you look at – this has become a, a, a huge problem uh, with the Iowa game last year. Um, this year it was Purdue. You just, you know, it, it's, it seems to be an epidemic, and it's going to continue to happen. You mentioned Iowa. Penn State plays them this week before they get Michigan next week. Your thoughts on Penn State's season, what, what you expect from this week's game, and then you know, let's lead into next week's game and preview that a little bit. Uh, well, you know, anytime you, you're looking at, at, at Penn State and the ability to uh, run the football like they have, um, it's, it's, it, there's a lot going on. It, you know, I wish, again, I wish they hadn't had those two losses, but that's the way it goes. Um, and, and, but uh, I appreciate you guys having me. I, I actually, we're on our bye week. Uh, I'm down here at Disneyland, and uh, uh, I've got to run. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, hopefully we can do this again. All right. We're looking forward to you it. You enjoy Thanks Disneyland. Have a good time. I'll be back, John. All right. Thank you. Thanks. So we'll have him back on, Jeff, and talk more about Michigan, Penn State. We'll have him on to talk a little national college football with us. But let's you and I you run. Know, you know, usually you have an athlete on, and he talks about how he's going to Disneyland after he wins. He really, he's really there. He it, really, it, it took him a while. He, he they won a, in 97. He but. is at Disneyland. He's <laughs> celebrating. He's jealous right now. That and and it, it was very nice of him to join us. Uh, yeah, take a little time away track. from his yeah. family during during his bye week mm-hmm. out there, that little break. All right, let's let's talk. You wonder if he was like in line to get on a roller coaster, <laughs> and, and and he actually must have the fast pass because uh, otherwise he'd have more time. He right? made good timing there. Yeah. He did all right. Let's talk a little bit of nationally. You got you got the playoff rankings coming out Tuesday night. Yep. Um, I was asking you before the show, Michigan going to be in the top four as a Michigan guy? I don't yeah. think they will. I think they'll be at five, just on the outside, maybe six with Texas there. With um, you know, you got Alabama and LSU who are both off this week. Clemson's playing, so you know we'll see where everybody is. What do you right. think is going to shake out in terms of the first poll that comes out? I think you're right on the first poll. I think it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and who's going to be the fourth team? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Right. So, and and then you have Texas and you have Michigan. And I think Notre Dame should be. I think they're undefeated. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, be? I, 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 think mean, I mean, I mean, they've had they've had a really good season. I, when you watch them, they don't look like a. They don't look like Alabama when they play, but they have played consistent. I think their defense is good. It's not great. I think that their offense is very good, but it's not great. But sometimes the the great is better than the parts, and I think that's what Notre Dame has accomplished this year. You mentioned Alabama. Alabama scored 48 points or more in their last four games. The problem is you can't – look, obviously Alabama is very good. The problem is they haven't really played a lot of good teams. They play their preseason schedule. Their their pre conference schedule is usually pretty weak, and and they really haven't played the big guns yet. Now next week you have LSU, not this upcoming weekend, but the next they have a bio this week. At that point, if Michigan does be- beat Penn State, then what happens? Then then you have Michigan jumping into the top four because one of those two teams is going to fall out of the top four. So that's what you're hoping for. Well, what do you mean? I don't have to. I have to hope that Penn State wins. Would you go if Michigan made a playoff game? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
If Rutgers made a if playoff I, game, I, I would definitely it. go. But Rutgers won't make a playoff game, so well, I don't have to worry if, about if, that. <laughs> if Rutgers makes a playoff game, then a certain area underneath uh, terra firma freezes over. Yeah. I, look, <laughs> I hate to come on the radio and bash Rutgers, but it's so frustrating. <laughs> you don't have to bash him, but the uh, what I'm bashing is just being honest. <laughs> what I don't, what I don't understand about Rutgers, and I never have, and, and this is somebody who grew up in the town next to Rutgers, is that it's a it's a nice campus, it's a good school, it's essentially in the shadow of New York City, the you know the the media capital of the world, and and now they had the benefit of being in the Big Ten and the Big Ten wanting to prop them up because they wanted to be in the media capital. With all of that going for it, and it being the birthplace of football, got nothing. How, <laughs> how, how is it that they can't find? They they had the Shiano time. Jeff, we've only got an hour for a show. <laughs> I can't but explain you, you to you brought, Rutgers' you failures brought, in one you hour. You brought in a successful assistant coach from Ohio State and Chris Ash. I and, was pretty excited and hopeful. And he for that. has he, all he's done is turn the program into him, which is ashes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've been practicing that line. No, at home. no, I just came. You've up been with reading that, that one, to really. yourself at night no, before bed. Uh, and 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 you know, two years ago, I was there, and here was another thing I did not understand. Was that the seventy-eight to nothing? Seventy-eight game? to nothing. But glad you, you brought that up. No, because you knew that game was going to be a blowout, right? I mean, everybody knew it beforehand. Why did why did Rutgers schedule that game as the game that it was bringing in all its recruits? I can't give you a if, smart if answer. If you're that. a recruit standing on the sidelines and watching not only the team that's recruiting you lose 78 to nothing, but the the best player on the field was Julius can, Peppers. Can we just go back to talking about good football? <laughs> Do we have to like? But Peppers is from New Jersey. I'm he ready to throw it here. to Brett rather than talk about Rutgers anymore. Don't no, worry, Brett. I'm not going to do no, that. No, stop. Because he'll but, just talk about the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't um, want to go. I don't want to go to Rutgers though. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on from Rutgers. So mm -hmm. you got some good games this week. You got some rivalries. Clemson against a struggling Florida State team this year, four and three on the year. Right. Not what they were hoping for. You would think that Clemson would would win this one. Yeah. I, I don't think Clemson's losing. The I mean, people say this is a down year for Clemson because they had to switch their quarterback, but they switched their quarterback from a very good quarterback to a really good fre true freshman quarterback. Yeah, they and their defense Dabo is still Sweeney, their defense. Dabo Sweeney does well there. Yeah. And I enjoy watching when they do the, the nighttime games, their whole entrance, riding the buses over. I enjoy that circ the the celebration of college football and things like that. I, I like the there's nothing that pro football <clears throat> will, can never recreate what no. you can at a, at a college football school. I'm actually going to go to the Clemson game over Thanksgiving weekend against South Carolina just to see like another rivalry game. And I just can't imagine what that's going to be. Well, like. you mentioned the atmosphere and the rivalry, Florida, Georgia in the world's largest cocktail party. I always enjoy that. They call it that. Uh, and and look, you've got a rivalry again. Florida is legit back. They're mm -hmm. they're playing their best football that they have in years. Right. Georgia's playing well coming in. It's nine versus seven matchup. Something's going on there though. Over the At last Georgia. Yeah. Over the last actually today, their top running back recruit just, just decommitted, and yeah. he's like the third or fourth person that's decommitted in the last week. So I don't know what's going on over at Georgia. Something to watch, yep. no doubt. Uh, we started to mention it with John Penn State plays Iowa. 
Um, I, look, I, I lived in Iowa for, for years. It's fun to go to games out at Harvey Kinnick Stadium out there in Iowa. It's a good... <laughs> when you said I lived in Iowa, I was I, just wondering, where is he going with this? <laughs> I did. It, it, but I used to go to games in yeah. Iowa City, and it's a, it's a really fun atmosphere right. to, to go see and play Okay, other than those three and a half hours, is it fun to live in Iowa? I didn't mind it. I mean, yeah. I worked all the time, so and the people were really nice out mm-hmm. there. So, like, I, I, I enjoyed it, but... Um, look, I'm a, I'm an East Coast boy, so I was out in the Midwest. It was totally by, different. By the for way, me. I have to disagree about with, with John. you don't like Iowa. No, no, no. no <laughs> I've never been there. Um, uh, I have to disagree with John about it being a bummer that Ohio State lost. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you he, found nothing disappointing about that big loss for Ohio he, State. He now he's he's a competitive athlete. I mean, he was an All American. He was well, on he's a broadcaster too, so he's trying to keep it straight. Right, but I but I think it's you more, on the other hand yeah, are I, not. I, I, <laughs> other than watching, and and it might even include watching my alma mater. I have never had more fun as a, as watching a sporting event on television than watching Ohio State give up point after point after point in the fourth quarter to a team that they should have dis- destroyed in Purdue. I know you kept texting me. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm well aware that you were... Trust me, you were not the only one that I was I'm, texting. I'm well aware that you were excited and, and enjoying what but was happening But you know what we there. should talk about is our local teams. Yeah. I mean, because you know we started off the year going down and talking to the coach uh, Coach Collins and talking to the offense coordinator and the quarterback and and their star quarterback defensive back at the time. Yes, quarterback at they've, the time. They've... You know, it's a shame because he, he really at least I mean the day we were down there he looked like he was in command of the offense. He was in command of the team. He he was a true leader, and it just didn't work out at the beginning of the season. But Temple has recovered. Five and three now. Yep, big beat... win in overtime last week. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. was undefeated. That was and, a fun game. Yeah. Temple mm-hmm. played very well in that game, won it in overtime, got a week off to prepare. Next Thursday night, under the lights, big game against they have a, Central th- that Florida. That conference has a lot of Thursday night games, don't they? Well, it's good for them. They yeah. they get to spotlight their teams and raise their profile. And look, the, the play itself in that conference has improved mm-hmm. dramatically over the yeah, last they had, few what, years. Th- they had three top 25 teams this year right now? Well, and UCF still claims they're national champions, don't they? Oh, come on. <laughs> we're, we're, we can't go, We can't go back there. Scott Frost may want to go back to UCF. If he's he got smart. his first win last week. He got his first win at Nebraska last week. So look at you, little golf <laughs> clap there. All right. Uh, and then Villanova, um, they, they're back in action this week, yeah. Jeff. You're you going to listen to the game here on 610. You can catch it. They're 3-4. They're and four. They're back at, uh, hosting a game against New Hampshire this week. You can my, catch it on 610 ESPN. My boys are on a bye, so I will. You'll be you'll be watching uh-huh. and listening. Listen, Should be a good no, time. Listen, I'll probably be listening. You'll listen in. Yeah, it's it's leaf weekend, so you know I'll be raking leaves and I can listen to it. I might drive by just to watch you raking leaves outside. As long That'd as be... you don't ask me to rake yours, I'm fine. Oh, that's a good idea, too. Yeah, no. All right, let's move on to a more exciting yeah, no. topic for you, the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to start with the team play or gritty, Jeff? I'm going to give you a choice. I'm picking the team play because we are a sports show. Okay, then okay. we'll get to gritty. Yeah. Okay. okay, so it's getting late early for the Flyers. This is not <laughs> a good start for them. They, yeah. Boston down three D-men last night. Flyers get shut out 3 nothing. Through 10 games, they're 4-6 and six on the season. They've now given up 40 goals in 10 games, Jeff. Uh-huh. This is um, a pattern with this team that has gotten off to slow starts in all of the years that Dave Haxtell has been the coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the years. It's not like he's been here forever. He's been here since 2015 now. Yeah. Your concern level for the Flyers right now, I don't think you were the eternal optimist going into the season. No. So you're 
comfort level with what you're seeing with this team? I thought this would be another year where they hovered around the you know six to eight spot in the playoffs, but I'm starting to worry. Um, the 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 offense doesn't worry me at all. I think that the offense is going to be very good, but the defense is right now atrocious, and I don't think that's an understatement. I, I just think it's bad. So um, that you know somebody as we walked into the station said, "Bring up Carter Hart." No, he's not absolutely. playing great. <laughs> well, forget whether that even if he was playing great, he's 20 years old and you do not put him behind a bad defense. Right. That's like putting a, a rookie quarterback behind a bad offensive line. It, it makes no sense to bring him up. And now Neuver is up, but he didn't play the, <laughs> the other night. Hopefully he'll now get in and hopefully he will be better than mediocre. I mean, what that's is kind of my bar at this point for I'm going to ask you an open-ended question. What yeah. is the Flyers' biggest problem? Defense. Yeah, because I don't think it's... We talk goalie mm-hmm. and we and always I talk goalie. I didn't think it would be. I, I, we always talk goalie and we say mm-hmm. until they have the goalie, they're not going to do it. It's defense. It doesn't matter. They could put the best goalie in the league back there and the giveaways that this team has and the shots that they basically you, set up... You hit on it. That that You just said the word that drives me nuts, which is the giveaways in their own zone. Yeah, it's It happens sloppy. constantly. And that's mental mistakes. That's not physical mistakes. It's just, it's really sloppy play. Yeah. It's its terrible what they're doing. Um, entering last night, the game last night. Oh, uh, here you go. They allowed the second most goals oh, in the that's NHL. Where I thought you were going. They're <laughs> ranked 20th yeah. in five on five. Mm-hmm. They're 28% in goals scored. They have scored the lowest goals in Why the league. Why are we going through these statistics right now? It's brutal. Yeah. When does it get better? I don't know. Uh, you know, uh, like you, what you, do you, you like to call me the optimist when it comes to our teams. Right now, I I can't. Get, uh, I don't believe the sky is falling. I believe that they're going to be somewhere in the bottom of the playoff picture as we get closer to midseason. But until they figure out the defense, I don't think it gets better. And I don't know if that means making some trades. I don't know if the if the Flyers just decide we can't keep going. You know, we talked last year about maybe for some reason. The parts don't make a greater whole, right? And, and we're we're looking at that again. It looked like, and we don't have Van Riemsdyk. Keep that in mind. He's been hurt since the beginning of the season. And now so, you're without Wheel, right? Who's gonna hurt on your penalty kill, which is already terrible. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. Uh, he he's not somebody I'm I'm terribly worried about. Helps your, with your penalty kill. Yeah. Um, I, I just the defense. That, what baffles me most is that Gostaspier and Provorov. Don't work together. They, it's, How does, the, both of them individually are very good defensemen, and together they don't for some reason, each they other do, yeah, they really don't. All. It's a, I'm not sure what changes the team is going to make, but mm-hmm. you would think that they're going to make changes because they, they can't. They keep have to. Playing that Hextall like has to do something to shake this up. It it's not an understatement to say how long they've been mediocre. How how long they've and you know. If you want to get offended because you say, well, they made the playoffs. To me, at this point, it's been how many years since they won a Stanley Cup? It's been a really long time. And they need to get there. And they need to show that that they're above just being mediocre. They have great fans. It's, it is amazing how many people come out night after night. To but nothing depresses games. a fan base like losing early. You're out of it early. Yeah, well, that's been the other that, problem. I mean, we we talked. It's every, been the Phillies' problem in the past. They yeah, but out of it but, early and. Yeah, but that baseball, you got nine innings. 
hockey for some reason you you fall behind one nothing early in the first period it just seems like it just sucks the life out of the building they gave up the first goal in nine of their 10 games so yeah. far that that's bad like it's just mm-hmm. frustrating you more more frustrating for you is that gritty is getting all the attention that he is he is getting pumped, uh, isn't did he? you know that gritty was honored by philadelphia city council this week is is everything in philadelphia so perfect that the city council has time to to argue resolutions about gritty Gritty may be a hideous monster, says the resolution, but he's our hideous monster. Jeff, yeah. the floor is yours. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to say. Uh, it's, 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 it, is, it is such a waste of time that they do this. Uh, look, if you want to have your, your media people tweet stuff about it, you want to do stuff around the city, that's fine. But the fact that city council is debating issues of Gritty. You got nothing on Gritty. Come on. Really? Nothing on Gritty. No. All right. We'll hit the break. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into some Eagles. We got Sixers, Little World Series baseball. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at one 337 3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville. Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. So what sky do you want to talk about falling now? (laughs) (laughs) The red and blue one, Jeff. The red and blue one. Are you going to the Sixers game tomorrow night? No. Uh, were you watching the Sixers games this week? So we had Keith on on last Friday. We left last left Mm -hmm. our listeners. Keith said, don't worry about Orlando. Yeah. He said, we're going to see what this team oh, yeah. really made. Hold on. I'm going to let you talk. Saw, I'm going to let you talk. Uh, yeah. But he said, we're going to see what this team's really made of when they play Detroit and Milwaukee. <laughs> I didn't like what I saw, Jeff. <laughs> well, well, let's let's start with first off. What, the, the answer I got was, aren't you overlooking Orlando? And what was his answer? No. Nope. <laughs> and and I, I was at that game. And, and we love Keith. And but it, you started texting me that um, they should not have been overlooking that game, and yeah. the Sixers won that game. But let's be honest, in the teams that they have played uh-huh. and won against, they haven't looked good. No, but but in this regard, the sky is not falling. It, it The Sixers are now 2-3. and three. I believe they have 70-some-odd games left, if my math is correct. It, it the, the sky is not falling. It is not good right now. It is if you look on Sixers social media. No, it's no. Well, <laughs> see, I'm trying to be positive. All right, I'm going to let you there. be positive before but I'm going to go social media. I can't media. because because he, here's what you see on social. Tell media. me what I would find if I was looking around on social media. I about saw I saw fire Brett Brown. Really? I mean, that's where we're going to go. We got 
trade Simmons. Are you kidding me? Or Fultz is being held back by the coaching. Fultz is being held back Come by on. Fultz. All right, so which one you want to go with first? Uh, let's go with Fultz. Okay. Because um, I want to have hope there. Yes. But so I don't. does everybody because they but, clap. And I don't want to be ball. overly critical. So I'm going to – in the Detroit game, mm-hmm. he looked much more comfortable, but then they sat him down at the end again. Where's the bar you're setting for comf- for for the number one pick in the draft? On the ground. Okay, so that <laughs> that that's part. Can of I the problem. can I raise the bar any higher based on what I've seen? No, but look, Brett Brown said before the season that this was what he was going to do, and people were going to have to be patient to see if this chemistry would work and if 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 all of these pieces were going to fit together, right? Well, people can't then expect that for, you're going to snap your fingers and everything's going to be fine. It takes time, and they're instituting a new defense. My concern is that this particular defense doesn't work with this complement of players. So who seems to be the problem on defense right now? As much as I like him, I think that Dario Saric may be the problem on defense because who's scoring? Well, you had Giannis the night before. You had uh, Blake, Blake Griffin. Griffin put up 50. Yeah, so it's essentially their power forwards that that are putting up the numbers. And the night before and right before that, it was whoever Lucevich. was. From, yeah, so it, it's, it's really the big guys but not the centers that are putting that up. And and who so who's responsible for that? A lot of times it's Dario, and then the the other problem was at least at the beginning of it you didn't even have Muscala. So who's the backup to Dario? The 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 height they don't have. Well, I guess I would say Chandler court. when he comes back, but, but he's, he's still not, not back. back. And he was they thought he would be back tomorrow, and but Keith, now they're saying we that saw he's Keith not. tweeted that he's not going to play tomorrow. Yeah, night. but you know at first I was like that's the biggest bummer of the day until. They then tweeted that this that uh, Joel Embiid decided to roll an ankle at the end of practice, and he's questionable for tomorrow. So this so week, you who starts that game is Muscala or Amir Johnson starting at center? Amir Johnson will start okay. at center. Okay. Now I raise my hand and say, who's the backup center? Well, Muscala will be the backup. I didn't say okay. he's a then who, good backup. Who's backing up Dario? I didn't say that it was a good plan. No, <laughs> I said it was no, a plan. Let, let's just go through it. But so, that's so the problem. Okay, so you're making the next? point. You're making the point that Kyle Newbeck you're did not with the Philly Boys. But but he does though. Yeah. This team's more science experiment than a cohesive project, and as a result of decisions made ye- over years of time and constantly shifting rotation, that's attempting to co- accommodate the strangest number one pick in recent memory. Mm-hmm. I mean that he's basically saying what you are. They they the pieces don't fit. Right. They don't have a rotation yet. They don't, and I'm not sure what rotation he's going for. And I think that Brett is hesitant to put Fultz in late because he's also out of position on defense and clogging up your rotations because he's not rotating correctly. You watch him. Yeah, but he's but you he's watch him not run the into problem. the screen trying to go under the screen repeatedly, giving open shots to the guy that he's guarding. He's very wild on defense. He he seems. He's got a lot of energy. I'll give him that. And he does seem to steal a lot of balls and disrupt a lot. But he's he's not in the right place. But he's not the problem right now. The problem is we, we need more big men. Big men who play a big man position. Ben Simmons is 6'10", but he's not playing power forward, right? So who's, who's clogging up the middle? Because Joel Embiid it can't do it alone. Uh, and if he gets in foul trouble early, like he did the other night, then you're left with who's playing center. 
And I, Muscala is not a center. No. Amir Johnson is not big enough to be playing center. He's a more, to me, a traditional power forward. But he's playing backup center because we don't have a backup center. And so you said Kyle Newbeck's answering my question. I don't have the – who is coming in for Dario? No, I didn't say he's answering your question. He's making the, the sim, a similar point. Okay, the, so, so – The, the but, science experiment is not working. There is nobody to come in for Dario. I'm, I'm That's hoping, the problem. I'm hoping you can answer the question because I'm really confused. Who is coming in for Dario? I have no idea. That's that's what's concerning to me because Dario can't I mean, they play have to 48 go, minutes. They have to go small, and then they're just going to get swarmed by the power forward on that team. Yeah, I mean, that, that works with other teams that play. I mean, look, Golden State Warriors don't usually play with a big man. I mean, Kevin Durant's pretty big, but he's, he's still kind of light. They're not playing with a traditional big man most of the time. But the Sixers now seem to be playing with smaller and smaller, more athletic guys. But right now, we don't have shooters on top of it. So it, it, you're right. The pieces aren't going to mix. And I don't know when you start playing or at least getting them into the rotation, people like Jonah Bolden, who's taller. Maybe he can fit in, into there and, and get some minutes. Um, bringing in Fork and Korkmaz and, and getting him some minutes. It. I don't want to. He showed he could shoot in the summer league. He showed he can shoot overseas. Right. He just hasn't done it in in the NBA yet. But he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities to really show himself yet. And there was there was a point. It Landry Shamit started the other day. He's looked good. So no, but far. He, but the first five minutes or so did nothing. I, I I literally could not tell he was in the game. Yeah. He never touched the ball. He's not afraid to shoot though when he gets it. No, I, I'm not blaming him. But I'm saying that when he if he's in the game. The whole point is you need a three-point shooter, somebody who can shoot from the outside to open up the middle. And if you're not going to have J.J. Redick, who I still believe J.J. Redick should be in the starting lineup, if, if J.J. Redick's not going to be the guy, then really who do you have shooting? Who's your best shooter from outside? And and if you tell me Joel Embiid, I'm telling you that's no, what works. J.J. is your best shooter, so I'm going to No, ask no, you, when he's not in. When they start the game, Redick's not in. How long does Brett go before he makes JJ the starter again? I don't know. I don't know how much of a, a constitution he has to be patient. Now, when I was there at the at the practice facility last week, Brett was energetic. He was positive. He he truly believes in Markel. I will give him that. He I, I don't get a sense for a second that he doesn't believe that he sees something in Markel that we're not seeing in games. That there is that that special talent is still there. I just don't know if that special talent can work alongside with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons brings something special, but it, it involves him drawing people to him, which opened up people like J.J. Redick to, to kick to it shoot. out to a shooter. Markel is not going to shoot, and he's not going to shoot open shots. Which is what... That's what never I understood. So he was a point guard in college that they said they were going to make a shooter to compliment Ben, but he never. No, no, he he, he shot in college. The team stunk, but but he shot a lot. The team stunk. Yes, Washington was horrendous when he was there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they won ten games that year. All right, we're gonna keep our patience with the Sixers, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You hear the Sixers still floated every once in a while in the Jimmy Butler trade talks with Minnesota. Uh but then you heard a Houston. Well, wait. Would you do it? Was it? Would there be any trade, realistic trade, you would do for Jimmy Butler? 
I'm going to ask you, what would Minnesota want? <laughs> like, once you huh. tell them that they can't have right. Ben and Joel, I'm not quite what, sure. What do they? What do you have what that we they know- want that you're willing to give? You can send Dario. Why would they want Reddick? He's not a long-term. No, I wouldn't get rid of Reddick. Well, I wouldn't either. But but he's not somebody that they would really want as a long-term piece. I mean, they might want him as somebody who could help him in the short term, right? But to go along with Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins, who would you even give them that they'd want? Dario and Covington. Would you do that? Oh, come on. Would Would you do it? I would do it in a heartbeat. But I don't think anybody's going to take Covington as part of a deal like that. Why not? He's still a top defender because I still think that look. It's a it's a league I, that less values. I love the the, the local defense. I love that people have like a local love for Robert Covington. I think we overvalue Robert Covington. I just do. You obviously don't look at social media at all. Well, I know people locally. People people are all over Robert Covington. He's not your star. Well, your problem is you are looking at social media and reading the comments. <laughs> <laughs> don't read the comments, Jeff. <laughs> well, I'm ju- I'm just baffled at how in five games people can make these these drastic decisions no you're not you've been in philadelphia long enough come on no i know how this i actually thought philadelphia softened after the super bowl Uh, and clearly remember you um, asked me that a couple weeks ago and and you said what happened to philadelphia everybody's not angry and they got their edge back (laughs) (laughs) apparently yeah they're angry okay so if the sixers don't have a package to give houston apparently is trying to get jimmy butler and so i i said to you houston is rumored to be offering four first round picks Mm mm-hmm and on its surface, I said, that seems like a lot for Jimmy Butler, who was a third-team All-NBA player last year, mm-hmm. had questions about you know his work and things like that, trying to force his way out of Minnesota. You don't think it's actually a lot, and you see why Minnesota's turning it down. Explain to me your position on this lack of a trade. You're getting nothing. Here's what you're getting in return. You're getting four first-round picks that have to be in staggered every other year because you're not under NBA rules. You can't trade back-to-back first-round picks. So you're, you're essentially getting a 2019 first-round pick, which means Houston's going to be one of the top five or six teams in the NBA. So you're not going to get much for that pick. Then you don't get anything in 2020. 2021, you get a first-round pick. They'll still be pretty good unless people get injured. So that's not going to be a good pick. And then you don't know what's going to happen, whether the draft will exist in five, six years, whether there'll be, because of the way the rules are changing as to put one and done and the G League and everything else, you don't know how valuable the draft picks are going to be that far away. In the meantime, you got nothing to replace him with. I mean, Houston should have at least offered the backup point guard, but they all they did was say, here, have a bunch of picks. And some potentially uh, so, expiring contracts. Yeah, okay. So the, it's just numbers. It's just paper. And, well, isn't and, that the whole NBA? Numbers and paper? Well, that that's how you do the trades, but there has to there has to be people involved. You, if Minnesota has talent right now. They're not in sell. They shouldn't be in sell mode. I know the owner keeps telling telling the, the, the coach, get rid of them. But you can't just, which by the way was one of the dumber things. Doesn't for an that owner devalue him slightly? Yeah, exactly. That most of of the people who own teams are billionaires. You usually get there by being good at making trades and business decisions. And I don't think it's a good business move to devalue the thing that you're going to trade for something else. I'm gonna leave that there. Yeah. And I'm going to say it's a good thing that we had a couple days before we went on the air after the Eagles game against Carolina last week. (laughs) Because Brett might have needed the dump button behind the class. 
and I almost threw things at the TV during the game. Uh, what happened? <laughs> I ask you that all the time. Eagles are up 17 nothing. Nothing's going right for Carolina. Well, first off, they probably shouldn't have celebrated on that. Uh, the, the dance? Yeah. That, that probably didn't help the situation. That wasn't the reason they lost. But they seem to have just taken their foot off the gas. So I you, mean, and, you and I have gotten into this about this Super Bowl team, the hangover, whatever. And I, I'm going to make the point I have been that they may be the Super Bowl champions as the Eagles. Mm-hmm. But this team is not the Super Bowl champion Eagles. Okay, on that winning touchdown for for Greg Olson, right? The linebacker covering him was Leroy Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the only play that he had all game. Yeah, he did not play in the Super Bowl. Avante Maddox, rookie, mm-hmm. playing out of position. Yeah, he did not play in the Super Bowl. Right, their defense is not what they were, and they're not playing their offense like isn't they what did. They were either. Well, and that's the thing; they're giving up. Okay. They're, they're struggling. And they've scored a touchdown less a game. They're giving up too many big plays, and they're not making enough big plays. They've only got two interceptions on the season. They're just not getting it done. So they head to London to play Jacksonville at 3-4. and four. They're 22nd in the league at offense, scoring 22 points a game. And by the way, before we get to the actual game, I have to tell you, as much as I hate Thursday night football, I love London football. So you enjoy the the Sunday morning? Absolutely. Uh, not having to wait to 1 o'clock, I, I do not want to listen to... You'd ter- be good on the West Coast. Yeah, or Hawaii. I'll take that too. But I like getting up and watching a game instead of having to watch all this pregame garbage. I, I I just think it's... I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward well, I don't to know. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the game? Do you think it's going to... I mean, we'll they get are there playing in a sec- Blake Bortles, we'll, so we'll, keep We'll that get in there mind. in a second. Because yeah. I want to I go... Before we move on, I, I do want to talk the Carolina game a little more. So Wentz looked really good for three quarters. Yeah. And those last two drives of the game may have been his worst two drives as an eagle. Uh, he was forcing it, trying to get it into the end zone to Alshon Jeffrey. The two plays before the, the end, he had Wendell Smallwood so wide open in the flat to just Take pick up the first down, maybe run in for the touchdown. He had a bad quarter. He did. Mm-hmm. He had a very bad quarter. But but see, you know, again, while walking into the studio, somebody outside said, as I was walking into the building, said, "Hey, you think Carson Wentz is overrated? No, he had a bad quarter. He doesn't have a full complement of offense. He's got his best offensive lineman is playing with one arm. It, it, I don't I don't know what else to tell you. It." This this team is banged up, and it's not it's not Wentz's fault. Uh, I think the play calling got con- conservative. I did start to have Andy Reid flashbacks when Doug did his press conference. No, well that too. But even before that, there were there were Andy Reid. The way that he called the second half of the game was very conservative, and it was poor clock management. Would you agree? It was very poor clock. Okay, now. so who does that remind you of? That yes. was that's Andy Reid's Achilles' heel is yeah. clock management. And so, I, I, as literally as he's these play calls are happening, I'm going, wow, he really is Andy Reid's disciple. I thought that he was different than that. He may be a cowboy in the way he calls, you know, on things on fourth down, but he clenched up in that game and he got very conservative. And they don't have the running game. To be able to do that. I mean, not that he used it, but 
the well, running game is there. Well, that was the thing that, that puzzled me. You know, you got the lead. You run 16 plays without a run. Like, I just, I get it. You don't have the horses that you want to be riding in that game. But, but they have running backs. They've it's got running like, backs. Yeah, it's and not and like Wendell Smallwood ran well in that game. He, it's not like he didn't look good. Josh Adams ran well in that game. You, now, So now do you want LaShawn McCoy? Well, so I, I heard earlier um, that got. there's a tweet out there that the Eagles sort of put on an additional pitch for McCoy. Okay. I, I still I don't think he's the solution. He for doesn't solve your defensive term. problems. I'm not talking. We didn't get to the defense yet. I'm talking about the offense. It's okay. So I think they're in an odd place, though, because I think what they do depends on what happens this week. Because if you go to three and five going into a bye week, you selling? I'm asking you. No. So, but you're buying. You're mortgaging your future for this season. No. At that point, you don't have to mortgage your future in the NFL. That's the thing. Is is that trades in the NFL don't you don't essentially give your give everything away the way that you do in other sports. That's just not the way the NFL has built its its trade deadline stuff. So uh, but you try to get better. I wouldn't become a seller at 3 and 5. Okay. I don't know I don't know who they'd sell anyway. I just don't know if they're a buyer at 3 and 5. Unlike the Giants who decided that literally have they're going to break market. their whole they team. They literally down. just said, "Okay, flea market in the Meadowlands." I was <laughs> amazed they got that for Eli Apple by the way. Well, he's ac- he was actually having a good season, but the response that I got when when I told someone, "Hey, by the way, they traded Eli the Apple," wrong, was, they traded, they the traded Eli. the wrong Eli. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting to see how long that that lasts. I mean, the Giants are just kind of the Giants are going to give up so many points now. They got rid of Apple. They don't have anybody to replace him. When did the Eagles play them again? And Snacks, they gave up Snacks Harrison for basically nothing. Give back a Snacks, basically. Yeah. Uh, It is Halloween coming up. Eagles have another injury. Derek Barnett gone for the season with shoulder surgery. That's the biggest concern. That's a big problem. Because you've now hurt the depth on your defensive line, and that was the strength of the team. Well, and Haloti Nata is questionable for this week. Timmy Jernigan's still not back. Michael Bennett... He played well last week. Probably the best that we've seen him play. The most most impact that he's made with his mini shoulder pads. <laughs> they have to bring that up every game. I always laugh when I when I see that with him. It's it's like okay, uh, big dude, small shoulder pads. Yep. All right, I, I want to get back to the secondary. Jalen Mills. Okay, did you see the stat? He's allowed a league high five hundred and forty one yards in coverage. That that's the highest in the league of any. Yeah, but he's got green hair. Defensive back. Philadelphia as a whole has given up the league-worst 1,410 yards and eight touchdowns as compared to just two interceptions, like I mentioned. And I think, you Sidney, can get I think Mc- Sidney, Jones, Sidney Jones is out this week. Too. He is out. They did okay. not bring him with him. So uh, Corey Graham about, is out again this week. But I'm about to present the big, fat silver lining. You ready for it? The quarterback they're facing this week is? Blake Bortles. Ta-da. Yes, that is a, a very good silver lining. I've got some more silver linings about he the game this so week. He is so bad. So Jacksonville, if we talk about how banged up the Eagles are, yeah. Jacksonville is even more banged up. No Fournette. They are missing three of their four starting defensive backs. They only have Jalen Ramsey. Their quarterback, cornerback A.J. Boye is out. Uh, D.J. Hayden is doubtful. Tyler Patman is out. That means they, they've got like their six and seven string guys. Fournette's out again. Uh, the trade that they made, Carlos Hyde, will carry the load. The Jags are down to their fourth and fifth string tight ends. So if ever there was... So there you go. See, I got you on the podcast. But I side. don't have a good feeling about the game. Why? I don't know. I had a good feeling last week, so I'm just hoping that I'm wrong. You want to look which, out the window? The sky is still up. I didn't say the it's sky fine. is falling, but 
I'm not sure how the team is is going to play over in London coming right, off so, of that so loss. So so how much? So what do you think the score is going to be? Who wins? I I don't. Oh. I'm not sure. Look at you. I want See the hamster to, I want to pick the, the Eagles so bad, yeah. but I keep thinking Jacksonville's going to win because it's in London and they've been there three times and know how to do it. Uh, I, I just I have no idea what to expect from this game after the seeing Eagles last week. The Eagles are going to win. That's your pick. 21 uh-huh. to 13. Okay, so I shouldn't worry. That's going to happen. Mark it down. Yep. I should sleep well Saturday night, yep. wake up Sunday morning happy, get a big yep. belly of breakfast and mm-hmm. sit down and say, I've got to worry football. about this. Yep. Jeff, Jeff said they're going to win. Mm-hmm. We're all good. So you should have just had done that at the beginning of the show, and then everybody would be a lot happier. Seriously. I buried, and, the, and, I buried the lead. <laughs> well, I guess it's better to kind of get towards the end on a high note as opposed to, like, if we would have ended with the Flyers, it wouldn't have been So is that like the crescendo weekend. before we get to the World Series? Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, you tell me. Is that the high point there? Did <laughs> you pick the Eagles? <laughs> we can't we go can't, off the air now. We you got We can't get any better from that point. <laughs> so we'll we'll wake up Sunday. We'll we'll see what it is. But I, I think that if the Eagles go into the bye week three and five, you are going to want to read the comments on social media. Tomorrow? I mean, uh, Monday. Look, I I'm just going to be totally honest. I I thought that even if they made the playoffs, they weren't the team without home field advantage. I've told you that multiple times that winning the East, everybody well, I says, agree with you. Everybody says, oh, the East is bad. They can win the East. But that puts you on the road in the playoffs. And mm. they are a different team on the road. And if they're going to L.A. or they're going into New Orleans, I think they got problems. Uh, well, that's who I think you just hit on who I think is going to be in the NFC championship. So it's like, oh, do I want to see them you know, win and do well to then lose at that point? Yeah, I want yes. to see them get there. Uh-huh. But I'm not. You know, sunshine and roses about where I think this team no, is currently. I, you you they, have to be realistic. They may about get healthier team. and start to play better, mm-hmm. and and be a different team at that point when they get there. But if you're looking at what this team is now, even if they made it there, I don't think they have the weapons to to make much of an impact. No, I don't either. And, and, and so so what? But I still think that they can get better. The, there well, are certain things can't you can't get much worse. <laughs> sure, they can. That's see that that sky falling. They, I mean, they're they not don't horrible, line up but they're not a Super Jeff. Bowl champion. Jeff, they don't line up correctly. Okay. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> well, and you know the the downside is is that they they fired the ref that apparently gets made, fired and made for, the bad calls. Uh, could somebody explain to me uh, they the reason that they were giving was that because he didn't see a false start I, of look, all the things you, you you're a lawyer fi- could, tell somebody me could have fired ed hockley for, for much more tell, tell me the, the union is going to be happy with that explanation yeah Jeff. that that was my first question was where's the union yeah that's not going to go over yeah. well all right He'll are you back. staying up late to watch world series baseball mm-hmm. have you have you watched the yeah. first two games mm-hmm. And I see here in our, our handy-dandy document yeah. that you have an in-depth analysis of where the series currently stands. Take it away, Jeff. It's over. That was profound. It's over. There's no chance. I should no stop ch- watching. No, no. I didn't, say, don't, I didn't say stop watching. It's over. But I, I don't see how the – and I know all they did was hold serve at home. But the Dodgers don't have the horses to beat the Red Sox. And, and you want to talk about a team that the – the parts are not as great as the sum. Whatever the Red Sox, the Red Sox, this is not the greatest team ever. But somehow, these guys have put together an incredible team. 
Cor- they Cor- don't is have, doing a very good job managing that team. He's done a great job, especially for a first-year manager. He has done an incredible job managing. I mean, they do have stars. They have Mookie Betts. They have J.D. Martinez. They have Chris Sale when he's not in the hospital because he's got an infection belly from his button belly ring? button. Where I mean, was that? For our listeners who don't know, Chris Sale uh, was in the hospital, the Red Sox pitcher, because he got an infection with his belly wait, button Wait, do you, First of all, do you believe that story? I don't... I, I mean, he's an odd guy. Keep in mind, he's the guy that once cut up the the White Sox jerseys because he thought they were itchy and didn't want the team to warm, so he butchered them all. So he's an odd guy. But Um, he pitched well. He did. And and you know things are going right when David Price gets away. David Price. I kept seeing on Twitter the Price is right, blah, 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 (laughs) over and over again. Like I didn't even have to be watching the game. I saw the tweets. I was like, oh, I guess David Price is pitching well. Yeah. Uh, So, okay. I mean, there's just... So you want to go to Manny Machado now? Uh, No, I I want to talk... There's a weekly Manny Machado. We'll get to Manny in, in a second. Does the strategy change going back to L.A. without the designated hitter? How does Boston... Put their pieces in place. J.D. Martinez has played really well. Who do you, If you're Cora, who do you sit? Who do you start in this lineup? I would keep the lineup the same as, as it was. Who was their designated hitter? I think they have to decide with J.D. Martinez what they're going to do with him, who they're going to bring off the bench, whether they're going to put him in. I think that's the I, question. I, of, the one thing that I was very confused at was there was talk of whether Mookie Betts would go to second base. Why would you take one of the best defensive out, outfielders in the major leagues and move him to a position that he doesn't play? Well, that's where you get into overmanaging. Yeah, I mean, and and that's why I don't th- see Joey Cora doing that. I think Joey Cora will make a decision about whether or not J.D. Martinez is going to play right field or first base, and then one of those guys is coming out. It's that simple. I, I d- you, you know what the DH means? What? More moves, Jeff. Longer games. No, no, you mean no DH. No DH. Yeah. More moves. Mm-hmm. Managers can make decisions. Oh, Matchups. I know you love well, it. Well, look, Dave Roberts has not made the right decisions. And, you know, for anybody who's a casual baseball fan who's from Philadelphia and you turned on the World Series, I'm sure your first thought was, Ryan Matson still pitching? I had that exact thought. I <laughs> totally forgot that he was still pitching when I saw him in the game. I'm like, for keep, real? Keep in mind. On the 10-year anniversary the, of the Phillies in the World Series, and, you and, keep tweeting out from our High Hopes Phillies account all these fun memories of 10 years ago with the Phillies. There are so And then many. Ryan Matson's on the mound in L.A. I'm like, Yeah, and what? keep in mind, Ryan Rat- Matson was not a rookie when no. he was on the World Series team. No, not at he all. He was a veteran guy, and he I think he holds the record, or he's up there as far as Phillies who have pitched the most innings as a Philly in history. And and he hasn't been with the Phillies for at least six or seven years. He's had, I believe, Tommy John surgery or some serious surgery that he was out for a season. He's been on God knows how many teams since then. I think you're jealous. I, I sense jealousy. Oh, I wouldn't mind be pitching. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be glad to pitch in the World Series, but he has not pitched well in both games. No. It's been bad. and, and The Dave Dodgers Roberts, pitching has, has really not done the job for them. There was a question about that going into the series. Yeah. It just hasn't held up. You know what's gonna what I what what I've noticed from this is Clayton Kershaw, who's been one of the best pitchers of the last close to decade. Um, he doesn't seem to have what he used to have as a pitcher. He's still a good pitcher, but he's going to be a free agent, and I think he's going to have a hard time getting the kind of deal that we all would have thought Clayton Kershaw would get. Would you sign him? Depends. If you're going to get me a Jake Adder Arietta team friendly deal, then I would. Otherwise, no. I'm not. I'm not putting. I'm not putting seven to ten years into him. Manny Machado. 
can anybody do more to damage their reputation in <laughs> one postseason than this guy? Uh, by uh, the, it it yeah. was it was that he you know kicked the back of the guy's leg and started something in the previous series. He didn't hustle. Didn't and hustle. Said, he, he's not said I don't hustle. run that hard to first base. Okay, whatever. Uh, in game two, the pitching coach for the Red Sox believes that he was stealing signs. Jeff, the Red Sox. I don't know if they're paranoid or if, if everybody is doing all this stuff to them. Because remember, in the last round, they accused the Astros of videotaping him. And then the Astros said, well, we were only doing it so that we could see if they were doing it. Yeah, exactly. Which was a, just, a really poor excuse. We just wanted way. to check and see. Yeah. Jeff, we got about two and a half minutes left. And I wanted to get to uh, to what Mookie Betts did after the game. Because that's really what... Besides our, what he did in the game. That, that's what our show is about. He yeah. went three for four in the game. Had some great defensive plays in the World Series. You'd think he'd want to go out on the town and celebrate. And he decided to go outside the Boston Public Library and hand out trade trade lunches or to, trade dinners to, to all, all the, the people, people we know that are Red Sox fans. Th- this is the kind of thing you can be most proud of I, I, when you win the World Series. That's that's great. I think you are going to be celebrating this year, but you should be most proud of that. You have athletes that are citizens like Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts decided that right after game two of the World Series, he was going to go get hot dinners and deliver them to homeless people outside of the Boston Public Library. He wasn't looking. He didn't bring a bunch of cameras or anything like that. The fact that that's that's the kind of thing that athletes do, and, and it's not just athletes, but we focus so much on the things athletes do wrong, and that's what you hear on the news so much. That you should focus on the fact that athletes and sports teams give so much to their communities as well, and and we don't see this every day. And had a reporter not found this story out. Mookie Betts would have just done this anonymously. Yeah, and Mookie Betts didn't go seeking right. the cameraman or the publicity. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw a quote in the Washington Post, no pictures, no nothing. None of the homeless even knew who he was, but they were just grateful for what he was doing. Exactly. I mean, it, it doesn't get better than that. And, you know, we, we appreciate when athletes use that platform to, to help the people around them. It's just, it's, it's what you want to see. And I know everybody will focus on what the ratings were and who was watching and who won and what mistakes uh, but he impacted a lot of lives directly that night of people who just wanted to have dinner, right. and well, and if, he made it happen. And as as we end this show, can I just tell everybody close your eyes, and realize that ten years tomorrow, October twenty seventh, World Series Game Five. Wow, is that the first part or the second part? First part. So part okay. Yep. So Sunday mm-hmm. was part two. Were you there? Yes, I was for both parts. In the rain? Well, it wasn't rain. It was little freezing icicles. It's it a, was painful. It's a fun memory. I can't believe it's been ten years with that team. Uh, we want to get back there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we definitely want to get that. That that feeling that that day was was incredible for the city. Well, we we hope to have plenty more of that going on. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.